Praise the Lord. And if you think about it, that's how he came. You know, Jesus, when, when he came to the earth, when God uh, came to the earth, there was really just a select few people that, that knew about it. And we're going to look at some of those folks uh, this morning as we get into the Word. And uh, again, it's great to see Rebecca and uh, John Henry and Mark, of course, always uh, with us this morning. Rebecca had knee replacement surgery on Thursday and is in church today. If you ever need to have that done, use her doctor. I'm telling you, man, so we, hear, we understand everything went great. And uh, praise God, she's going to, uh, she signed up to run a half marathon in a couple of months here. So praise God. Amen. Father, thank you for your great plan of salvation. Thank you, Father, that that plan was revealed. It's revealed to us through your word. And as we open your word today, Father, and as we look at the, the record, the recording of the gospel writers concerning your coming, Lord Jesus, I thank you that we'll be enlightened. I thank you that we'll be inspired. I thank you that we'll be encouraged today. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen. Praise God. So let's look at the scripture, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. There's a I can pronounce all those Old Testament names that you have to be to, to say the name, but Quirinius is a hard one for me to say. But anyway, I got through it. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So we see that, that as, we, as we read through the narrative in the Gospels of the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus, we, we know that the angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary uh, and told her that she's going to have a, a child, and that child's going to be the Son of God. We know that Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, was going to you know, break the betrothal and put her away privately, the Bible says. But then the, an angel appeared to him in a dream and said, that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit, and uh, she's going to give birth. And the angel, angel Gabriel told Mary, uh, the angel that appeared to Joseph, told them both independently, you'll call his name Jesus, and to Joseph, the angel said, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so they know all that. They have all that knowledge. And Mary's pregnant and they, they know, you know, they, they don't, I don't know how much they understand, but they've been told these things. And so they're going along. All of a sudden, this uh, uh, decree goes out from Caesar Augustus and makes its way down to Judea that everybody's got to go or makes its, makes its way to Nazareth. Everybody's got to go and be registered, and because uh, Joseph was in the, uh, fam the family of David, a descendant of David, he had to go to Bethlehem, the ancestral home of David. He had to go to there to be registered. And so now Mary's pregnant, and they have to make the long trip. Uh, it's it's uh, quite a few miles. I think it's 142 miles, something like that. Uh, quite a distance from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And so they have to make... Uh, Make that trip. Maybe it's not quite that far, um, but it's quite a distance. And so they have to travel to Bethlehem. 
And in so doing, though, likely unbeknownst to them, they were fulfilling the prophecy of Micah. They just thought it was a hassle. Oh, this, you know, uh, Caesar's decreed we got to go do this. What a bad time. What an inopportune time. Mary's pregnant. By now, she's several months pregnant, great with child. And now they've got to make this treacherous journey from Nazareth uh, down to Bethlehem. And, and I'm sure they probably thought, this is, this is not right. This is not what we planned. But in fact, God had planned it. Because Micah had prophesied that the Messiah, who Jesus was, would be born in Bethlehem. So somehow, they had to get him to Bethlehem. And so God moves on a pagan king, a pagan ruler, Caesar Augustus, to issue a census. And the whole purpose of that was to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. Yeah, it's amazing how God can work. Amen? And so they get there and... um, and it comes time for the baby to be born. And because Bethlehem's flooded with people, because everybody else is having to go do the same thing they're doing, uh, they're there to register as well. Joseph and Mary can't find a place to stay in, in any of the, the inns there. So they end up having to make do. And when Jesus is born, the Bible says he's wet, wrapped in swaddling cloths and he's laid in a manger. And again, as we'll see, a little bit later on, <clears throat> this seems like a hardship. It seems like, like a difficulty, like having to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And now they get there. They can't find a place to stay. Here, here, you know, Mary's pregnant, about to give birth, and they can't find any decent place to stay. And so they end up finding, you know, wandering and finding this place, and, and, uh, and Jesus is born in a manger. In, uh, in verse 8, we'll skip down to verse 8 and read there now. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So now we move to the, the narrative moves to the shepherds. We see the shepherds in the, the account of the birth of Jesus. The Bible says they were in the same country. That, mean, that, doesn't, mean this, that doesn't mean Israel. That means they were in the same general vicinity. They were close by. They were nearby. And the Bible says they were living out in the fields and they were keeping watch over their flock. And then the angel of the Lord appears to them and gives them a message. And the message is, first of all, do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid because I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. And this will be to all people. Praise God. For there's born to you this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Praise God. So the message of Christmas, the message of Jesus is absolutely and certainly and truly good news. 
Amen. It's good news. Glory to God. You know, I'm sure Rebecca, when the doctor came out and, and said everything went great, you know, in fact, it wasn't as, as bad as we thought it was. Was that, what was your first thought? What'd you, you probably said, oh, that's good news. That's good news. Thank you, doctor. That's good news. You ever had a report like that where uh, maybe you'd been dealing with, with cancer and the doctor comes back and says, well, we've run all the, your scans and we've looked it over. The cancer's all gone. What's that? Good news, right? That's good news. First of all, you say, thank you, Lord, right? And then second of all, you want to call some. Or it's not like that today. It's like, okay. You want to call somebody. Hey, I just got good news, right? Well, that's what the gospel is. It's good news. It's good news for us. It's good news that we can be forgiven. It's good news that we've been redeemed from Satan and all of his power. It's good news that we can be healed and live in victory. Amen? And we rejoice in that. He said, I'm bringing you good news and it'll bring great joy. Amen? This message of the gospel, when it's received, when it's believed, it'll generate and produce great joy in our lives. Amen? Amen. And the angel went on to say, I'm bringing you good tidings or good news of great joy, and it's for all people. For all people. Nobody's left out. Nobody's excluded. Nobody doesn't qualify. It's for all people. That's the best part, I think, of this good news. It's for everyone. Nobody's excluded. Whosoever will. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever believes on Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's for all people. And yet, right on the other, other side of that, it's also personal. It's for all people, but it's for me. It's for you. Hallelujah. Unto you, because the angel said, there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior. He's born for you. He was born for Robert. He was born for Royal. He was born for David. Amen. He was born for Paul and Paul. Hallelujah. We have multiple Davids, multiple Pauls. But he was born for each one of us. It's personal. Unto you is born a Savior. Hallelujah. I love to say it this way. I have a Savior who loves me. I have a Savior who loves me. That's what I told my family yesterday when we gathered for Christmas. And before we prayed, I said, you know, the message of Christmas, we can boil it down to this. I have a Savior who loves me. Praise God. If you're having a bad day, just stop and, and say, I, you know, I have a Savior who loves me. And that'll change your day. That'll change your outlook. Hallelujah. Amen. That's true. We do. Praise God. Let's look at verse 12 again. He says, and this will be the sign, and this will be the sign to you, the message to the shepherd from the angels. He said, this will be the sign to you. And I've talked about this before a, a couple of years ago, but I want to touch on it again. Um, and, uh, and I want to read, uh, I, I've, this is, I thought this was a good summary of it. This is by, by Dr. James Scudder. He's a a Baptist pastor, some of you may know him, he's pretty well known, I guess, uh, up in the, the Chicago area. Um, but he says this about the sign to the shepherds. Notice it says, this will be the sign to you. All right, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. 
The angels pronounced the birth of the Savior to the shepherds. They offered a sign to the shepherds to help them find the babe. The sign was, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. If this was to be a sign, it had to be significant. When we hear of swaddling clothes, we think of our current meaning of swaddling to hold a baby close to restrain movement. Also, we think of a manger as a dirty feeding trough for animals. However, these are both incorrect. I hate to burst your bubbles here this morning. (laughs) Due to recent archaeological evidence in Israel, we now know what the sign pointed to. As swaddling clothes were a common practice after the birth of a child, how would this be a sign? Would they have to knock on every door in Bethlehem to ask if a child was born? If a manger were a feeding trough for stable animals, it wouldn't be any different. They would have to go around and ask everyone if they knew where the baby was born. It would have been no different than if the angels had left after they announced that he was born in the city of David. Instead, they pointed the shepherds exactly to where the baby was born. See, these shepherds were, it says they were nearby Bethlehem, and the shepherds that were tending flocks nearby Bethlehem were Levitical shepherds. And these Levitical shepherds, the, the flocks that they were raising were all for the lambs to be used for the sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. These signs pointed the shepherds to the tower of the flock. The tower of the flock was on the outskirts of Bethlehem and overlooked the fields in which the Levitical shepherds kept their flocks for the temple. When a sheep was about to give birth, it was taken to the tower. The newborn lambs were placed in a manger, a clean stone bed, to be examined with swaddling cloths, white linens which would be used to find any blemishes. Because the sacrifices had to be without spot or blemish, much care was taken to make sure that the lambs were free of any infirmities. There was only one place in Bethlehem that had a manger and swaddling cloths, the tower of the flock. The shepherds immediately recognized the signs as they were implements that they were familiar with. They would have had no problem finding the babe since they knew exactly where he was. How incredible is it that the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, was born in the exact place that the sacrificial lambs for the temple were born? And it makes perfect sense. If you know anything about the character of God, that's the way He does things. It wasn't just some random thing. His plan is always precise and exact and is always and it's always prophetic. It's always pointing to redemption. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Just as the temple lambs had to be spotless, so He had to be without fault to take our sin upon Him. Christ was indeed the perfect Lamb of God given to us. Praise God. Amen. So not only did, did Micah prophesy, Micah talks about this place that we just read about, Not only did Micah prophesy in in what we know as Micah 5, 2, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, he also mentions this place, the Tower of the Flock. Look at Micah 4 and verse 8. Let's look at this scripture. And you, O Tower of the Flock, this is Micah chapter 4, verse 8. And you, O Tower of the Flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, 
To you it shall come, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. He's saying the kingdom, the dominion and the kingdom will come to the tower of the flock. Praise God. So again, seemingly by a stroke of bad fortune, there was no room in the inn, no place for them to stay within Bethlehem proper. Joseph and Mary have to wander out and probably again, unaware, unbeknownst to them that they're fulfilling prophecy and they're, and they're creating a sign that would be a clear and distinct sign to the shepherds, to those Levitical shepherds. They come out and they stumble upon this place, the tower of the flock, and they enter in there and that's where Jesus is born inside that place and they place him in that manger, the place where they would examine the lambs that were born to see if they were fit and worthy sacrifices. That's why it was an, a, an amazing sign to those shepherds. And again, they're thinking, man, this is a hassle. There's no place, no room here in town. We have to end up out here. But again, they are fulfilling prophecy and they're, and they're producing uh, by God guiding them there a sign that would be unmistakable. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to verse 15 of Luke 2. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, again, since these shepherds were raising the lambs for the sacrifices in the temple, when they found one that was without spot, that was worthy, what they would do is that they would light a fire on the top of that tower. And, and, and Bethlehem's only six miles from Jerusalem. And, uh, and so the, the, the priest uh, and the leaders there in Jerusalem they would be able to look out and look down to Bethlehem and when they saw a fire on top of that tower, they'd say, oh, we got one. We got a, we got a lamb that's a, that's a spotless lamb that's perfect and worthy. And, and so it was, the, it was the shepherd's job to do that. It was shepherd's job to not only to raise those sheep, but also to let, let everybody know, hey, we found one. And so that's why. That's why they were entrusted with the news. That's why it says that when they had seen him in verse 17, they made known, widely known, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And everybody understood that. Everybody knew and saw, okay, this is the lamb. This is the sacrifice. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them. But yeah, they were marveling because of the angels and the, and the multitude of the heavenly hosts and all of that. But they were marveling more, I believe, because it was such a direct fulfillment and such a clear picture that this child that was born would be the lamb sacrifice. Now, they were the ones truly qualified to share that news. Uh, in verse 19, it says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. The shepherds were excited. The shepherds knew they had, they, this, this 
This was their redeemer. This lamb was going to be the one that, to take away the sin of the world. They, they, they had some understanding of that, some revelation of that. But when Mary was confronted with these same truths, I'm sure she had mixed emotions. Because when Gabriel had appeared to Mary, Gabriel had, had said these things. Gabriel had said this, He'll be great. He'll be called Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and of his kingdom there'll be no end. But now she's hearing that this child is a sacrificial lamb. That this, that this child is to be slain to atone for the sins of the people. And maybe it's starting to make sense now from what the angel had told Joseph, he shall save his people from their sins, for just as the lambs were slain to cover over the people's sins, her child would be slain to take away our sin. And then a few days later, after he's born, they go up the six miles to Jerusalem to have Jesus circumcised. And as you know, while, they're, while Jesus is there, while they bring him in to the temple to circumcise him, along comes Simeon. And Simeon is praising God and Simeon begins to prophesy and Simeon says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. You promised me that I would not leave this earth until I'd seen your Messiah. And then he speaks to Mary and he says this. He, said, he says, this child is destined for the rising and the falling of many in Israel. And then he says this to her, and a sword will pierce your own soul. A sword will pierce your own soul. So Jesus did grow up, and he did indeed become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's go ahead and, and play that video now. Mary, my betrothed, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen and the sweetest smile. Don't be afraid. I'm the Lord's servant. Help us! I believe your son is the promised king of his people. What is his name? His name is Jesus. Mary, did you know that your baby would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save us?
Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's get our lights back up here, Mike, if you would. Let's go ahead and get our elements of communion out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today. As we celebrate your birth... We cannot separate your birth from your death and your resurrection. It's all connected. It's all essential. It's all the main part of the gospel, the good news. That you came to earth, that you took upon yourself flesh, and that you became the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We acknowledge that today, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge that you paid a great price to save us. You laid aside your glory as God. You laid it aside and you humbled yourself and you became a man. You took upon yourself flesh. That's what we mark today. We thank you. We thank you that just as the sign was clear to the shepherds, this is the sacrificial lamb. Lord, we acknowledge today that you were slain for our sins. And we acknowledge today, I acknowledge today, Lord Jesus, I have a Savior, it's you, a Savior who loves me. Thank you, Jesus, for the body that you took upon yourself and you allowed that body to be beaten and whipped. And with your stripes, we were healed. We we seize that today. We take that today. We're grateful for that today. And we thank you for your precious blood that was shed to wash away our sin, to cleanse us from the power of sin, from the guilt of sin, from the shame 
of our sins and our shortcomings. Your blood washes it away, cleanses our conscience that we might serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you today and we thank you. Praise God. Let's partake of the bread. And go ahead and get your cup ready and partake of it as you're ready. Part of what the angel told Mary, what Gabriel told Mary, hasn't been fulfilled yet. A lot of the scriptures in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah, some were fulfilled in his first coming, but there are others that haven't been fulfilled yet. Why? Because he's coming again. He's coming back. He's coming back. To reign as King of kings and Lord of lords forever. And we live in anticipation and we look for His coming and we live every day as we talked about last week with that expectation and with that purpose. And we mark this day, the day of His birth, and to recognize and acknowledge, yes, He was born, yes, He came, but He's coming again. Hallelujah. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here on this Christmas day, our church family. Lord, each one is so dear to us. And Father, I just pray your blessings over each one and over their families and over all that are joining us on YouTube today. Father, I pray blessings this Christmas day over every household, over every individual. Lord, those that are experiencing loneliness and discouragement today. Lord, let their hearts be Lifted, Lord, I know that sometimes we have these great expectations of, of what Christmas is to be and a celebration. And, and maybe sometimes those expectations fall short. But Lord, let our expectation be holy in you because you never disappoint us, because you never come up short. Lord, let our expectation be totally in you and your love for us and your great plan for us. And Father, I pray right now if there are those joining us that have never invited you into their heart and received you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today they would say yes to you. So while we're in an attitude of prayer, with everybody with their heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment, if you're joining us on YouTube or if you're here in the auditorium and you say, Pastor, I've never opened my heart to Jesus. I've never given him my heart. I've never acknowledged and confessed him as the Lord of my life, but I know that I need to do that. There is no better day than Christmas Day to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you. Is there anybody in the auditorium here by raising your hand, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I've never given my heart and life to Jesus, but today I'm giving my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm, in, I'm calling on him to be my Lord and my Savior. Anyone here, you'd say, I've never done that, but I, I know I need to, and today's my day. If that's you, raise your hand. Also, those of you on YouTube, if that's you, I want to pray with you and lead you in a prayer right now. In this prayer, you'll receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as you believe it with your heart. So uh, I want to ask everybody in the auditorium to, to pray with me. Put your hand over your heart. You there on YouTube that are joining us that need to pray this prayer, put your hand over your heart. Pray these words with me. Pray them after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. 
And he was raised from the dead to give me eternal life. I believe that I have a Savior who loves me. I turn from my sin and I call on you, Jesus. Take away my sin. Make me new on the inside. Be the Lord of my life. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to get in touch with us here at City on a Hill Church. You can go to our website, cityonahillchurch.us, and you can contact us there. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to follow up with you. Praise God.